listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. About four weeks ago, we started a study in the book of James, and so Pastor Kevin kicked us off in week one um, to kind of uh, take us through uh, this entire book, and so next week, it'll just continue on through James. So he he started with an introduction, the first few verses of of James, uh, the first chapter of James, gives us a a lot of information, there's a lot of meat in that one chapter that kind of gets expounded on as we later go into um, the other... Uh, chapters of the book but he encourages to really see the value in trials um, to rejoice count all joy um, when we when we face those kind of trials and and realize that they're they're given to us for the purpose of helping us to grow more mature in christ and so count all joy when we find those kinds of, of trials that come up against us. And then in week two, um, Mike Kennan, um, he brought us tools, if you'll remember. He brought us tools with us, and he really built on the foundation. See what I did there? He built on the foundation that, that Kevin had started, and, and he reminded us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To um, not only be hearers of the word, but doers only. And you'll see that as... As James progresses through, he starts to go a little further and a little deeper into some of these things. Today, I get to talk a little bit more about what Mike opened the door of and cracked the door for us to talk about. And in week three, Michael Shannon um, encouraged, us, encouraged us to treat others with their unique value, with an eternal mind and perspective. He reminded us to be neighborly, to be like a good neighbor. Um, uh, to, uh, to, to understand that, um, uh, that, that all of us are here together and we, sh- we should treat each other with, with kindness and love and compassion that everybody deserves because we're all made in the image and in the likeness of God. Last week, Greg Morris um, reminded us to have the kind of faith that produces works. So works are the things that we do, our acts of service, the how we, how we, um, how we treat others is important, but also what we do for others is vitally important as well. So to have true faith that results in action, to help and do for others, to serve, to go and to serve. Now, this week, I get to go a little bit deeper about the easiest way for us to sin. Anybody need help with that? (laughs) No, I'm not going to give you instruction on how to. We can all do it very well on our own. But it's really about um, one of the first sins that was recorded in the Scripture. Anybody know what the first sin was? Disobedience, right? Disobedience. They, They took of the the tree that God had told him you can have everything else but just this one you can't but then you'll remember God went looking for him they hid themselves they covered themselves and and God said you know where are you where are you at what are you doing and what did Adam say that woman you gave me 
So, so two things, he made a mistake there. He proof they were married. <laughs> he could stick his foot in his mouth really good. First, he wanted to blame someone else. He, he pushed blame. And then he even pointed the finger at God. His words got him in trouble. Not only that, they told on him. So I get to talk about our, our mouth, our tongue. And it's one of those things that be easy to say, well, you're, you're meddling, you're getting involved. No, I'm, I just want to share with you some things that, um, that the scripture reminds us to about, uh, of our words. And so in, in James chapter one, remember, um, the scripture said, I just mentioned, be slow, uh, to speak, but also be, I'm sorry, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's an important piece, but it's the hardest part of our bodies to control. And anybody here ever, you ever, your mouth ever gets you in trouble? Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share a lot of scriptures today that really tell you why. I mean, it's not just you. It's all of us. We're going to start um, in, in, in James chapter 3, verse 1. Um, it's the most, one of the most important aspects of our works is actually our words. You've heard it said, um, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? Anybody plays sports in here? There's a lot of people on the other side of the ball who like to talk. And, and then, but, but the thing is with talking is that you also have to follow it up with action, right? Because they can talk all they want to talk, but if they're not actually following through on the, um, on the action and things they said they can do, then they, and, you know, they just told on themselves, didn't they? Well, here in, in James 3, 1, he changes, he's changing the topic and he always starts when he changes the topic up to this point of giving us a command. And the first thing he says is not many of you should become teachers. Hmm. Now, you know, we're supposed to be offended by that or, or what? What's, what's James actually trying to say here? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he's, he's coming right out of the gate that says, um, you know, you, you talk the talk, you walk the walk. I'll ask you this. Can you talk the walk and can you walk the talk? As a Christian, do we talk the walk and walk the talk? But what, if we're not careful, what happens is once we start talking the walk and walking the talk, we start thinking we can tell others how to do it, right? And this is what this scripture is trying to tell us to do. Don't be so fast. Don't be so quick to think you should jump and start teaching others about uh, the things of God and, and, and how you've grown up in spiritual maturity and how good you are. Don't be so quick because one thing you have to realize is that those who do are held to a standard. Um, it's a glass house. It's, it's easy to, to say. Pastor Kevin says this all the time, and I'll, and I'll remind you. All of us are still on our road to spiritual maturity. None of us have arrived. None of us have. And sometimes when you, when you get an opportunity like this to speak, it's more um, convicting to you than anybody else in the room because it really starts pointing out you live in a glass house and it starts shining lights on things these are things that I could do better and that's what this scripture is talking about be careful don't be so quick to want to tell others how to live their life and how to do things that they need to be do don't be so fast because if you do um, you're going to be held to that accountability was the scripture say judge not lest you be judged you will be judged with the same judgment that you're giving 
So be careful with that. So first it's this, this, um, I don't want to call it a warning, but it's this commandment of don't be so fast. Learn. There's a, there's a scripture that says, um, that, um, in Proverbs 12, 22, uh, and 23, it says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Um, this right here, the prudent man conceals knowledge. There's another uh, version of the Bible that says it like this. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the hearts of fools blurts out folly. It's not always good to say everything that you know. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't have to prove yourself to get respect. Sometimes it's okay to let people think one thing and you know something else. You don't always have to be quick to correct somebody. That's not really our role. There's a lot of sins that come from this little guy right here. Let's let's start yelling some of them out. No, don't worry about it. Start yelling. Give me a sin. The mouth. Gossip. Yeah. What else? Profanity. What else? Lying. Slander. What else? Judgment. Yes. Pride. Blasphemy. Oh my. There's a lot, a lot of it can be sourced right here in our mouth. Um, another one I'll add in there is, it goes along with this verse, is teaching error. You know, teaching one thing, what if it's, if it's wrong? That's a, can be a sin of the tongue. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sins that lies right here. We go on to James uh, 3.2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. All of us do. It's not just our tongue, but there are many things that we stumble in and that we stumble on. It's not just this. But it says, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. In other words, if you got this under control, you probably got everything else in your life under control. He's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. We all struggle with our words. Um, and we all need to grow in our words. But it says here that if you do this, you're a perfect man. And so many would stop right there and say, yeah, but remember, we, we're not perfect. We're going we're gonna to get to that. But I want to I share with you some things that Jesus, Jesus gave us examples. And here's a couple of examples where Jesus was, was tempted... And, and, and put, I'll say put on trial by people trying to trip him up with his words. So he gives us an example of how he handled some of these things. So if we go to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 20, verse 1 through 8, um, it says, One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who it is that gave you this authority. So they've come to him and now they're saying, hey, we want to we wanna find out exactly where he says he's getting this authority to do the things and to say the things that he's saying. Because if he says the wrong thing, we got him. So they're trying to lay a trap for him. And he answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? 
So they discussed with one another, saying, well, if we say it was from heaven, he's going to say, well, why did you not believe him? But if we say it's from man, all the people will stone us because they think John was a prophet. And with that, they answered that they did not know where it came from. Jesus told them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then in chapter 20, just a few verses later um, in verses 19 through 26, the scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against him. If you go up and look a few verses ahead, he, he told a parable, and they're thinking, he's talking about me. Just like we do sometime in church, and the preacher gets on something, and he's like, oh, he's talking about me. No, not always, you just get convicted. But that's what was going on here. And he, he says, so, so what they did is they said, we're going we're gonna to catch him. We couldn't ask him straight up he kind of he called us out so what we're going to do is we're going to send we're going to send some spies and who pretend to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor smart right so these guys kind of infiltrated in and they went to jesus they asked him teacher we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but treat, but truly teach the way of God. Man, they're building him up, right? They're, they're trying to give, you know, stroke his ego. And like, you, we know who you are and we know you're truly teaching. So we have a question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Hmm. So what did Jesus say? He said, um, well, he perceived their craftiness. He perceived what was going on. And what he said to them was, um, show me a denarius. Somebody give me a dollar. Give me a dollar bill. Give me a, give me a quarter. Give me some money. Whose likeness and inscription found on that money? And they said, well, it's Caesar's. So he said, well, render under Caesar's that which is Caesar's. And render to God the things that are God's. And they were... <laughs> they, they tried to catch him what he said, but they marveled in his answer, and they became silent. So what he, what he did is he, he used some wisdom. He didn't just walk straight into their trap and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'll play. I'll play along. No. He used some wisdom and some discernment. He was prudent. And he answered in a way that would diffuse the situation. And often, I'll, I'll say, I think sometimes we don't always, when confronted, we don't always answer in a way to diffuse the situation. Often, we ramp it up. Well, what do you mean? Why are you going to step to me? Why are you questioning me? And it just causes, it's like throwing fuel on the fire. But he said, you know, just take a step back. Use some wisdom. Now remember, in James chapter 1, what did it say? If any man lack wisdom, what should he do? Ask of God who gives freely. So if we lack wisdom and we need some help with our tongue, the first step is to start praying, God, I need some wisdom. I need, I need some help in what I'm saying because obviously I keep saying the wrong thing. That's a, a good piece of advice. And Jesus showed us an example of how that works. So 
going back to this idea of, what, but we're not perfect. So if we look at that, talk about that scripture one more time. The word used there when he says, you know, you're a perfect man, there's two possible uh, definitions that were, uh, that were, that could be used there. First is the idea of absolute, perf- actual perfection, without blemish, without spot, perfect. And we know that there's only one who's ever been absolute, without spot, with no blemish, perfect, and that was Christ. But the other uh, definition of that word that could be used is complete and mature. And I think that fits better in this place, that the, that the person who can, who can control their tongue is mature. They've grown up. They don't get involved in the silly things, the, the things that used to bother you when you were a kid. Remember the, the, the tattletelling stage? Uh, little Caden is in that stage right now. He comes to you. And all little kids have the same cadence. Right? They're telling on somebody. The tongue just knows how to do it. For whatever reason, the tongue just knows how to lie. It knows how to deceive. It knows how to throw somebody else under the bus. But that's not, that's not a mature person. That's not something who, who has um, grown up in Christ. It's talking about spiritual maturity. I'm not talking about um, how much gray hair I have. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. That doesn't mean that I'm mature. Trust me, right? <laughs> I figured I'd do it before they did. <laughs> spiritual maturity really requires a tame tongue. Um, our tongue is often a good gauge of the dominant nature inside of us. We have, we have our flesh, the man side of us, and then we have the spiritual. And the tongue is often a really good litmus test to help you understand where am I at in my relationship? Because the tongue's a tattletale. <laughs> it will tell on you. You've heard the term, what goes up must come down. Well, what goes in usually comes out. So what you're feeding yourself, what you're hearing, what you're listening, what you're thinking, um, that, that is often the reaction that you get. You know, often with temptation, um, our, our, whether we fall into and allow the temptation to continue on to sin is what we've decided long before we get to the temptation. You must purpose in yourself. The scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a statement. And you have to make that also personal. As for me and my own, I will serve the Lord. I have to decide that often long before the temptation comes. You might have already decided in this situation, this is what I do. We've said that. Oh, let me get in there. Let me. I know what to tell them. I know what I would do. If I was in that situation, I would. And you're already predetermining what your reactions are going to be without filtering it through the, the filter of, of Christ and, and His service. So it's a, it's a tattletale. Jesus put it like this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So all I just told you is, what are you filling your heart with? Because it's out of the abundance of the heart your mouth will speak. In one of the commentaries I was reading um, in preparation for this, there was a story that was told about a pastor who had um, a member of his church um, come to him and say, Preacher, 
um, I'm really feeling convicted for gossiping. And I, I know people that if I need to get the word out, I don't have to make a lot of phone calls. I can make one phone call. Everybody knows it, right? You know anybody like that? Yeah? It's helpful when you need to get the word out. It's not so helpful when it's word that should go no further. And this lady goes to her preacher and said, I'm being convicted because I'm gossiping. And from the commentary, what it said, evidently, this has been an ongoing problem for quite some time. And so the preacher says, so what are you going to do about it? And she says, well, preacher, I want to I wanna lay my tongue on the altar. And he said, I don't think there's an altar big enough. I don't think that was a prudent and a good answer. <laughs> that did not edify her. That didn't lift her up. That didn't encourage her whatsoever. So he was guilty of the same thing, right? But it kind of is kind of funny, right? <laughs> that that just the, the image of this huge, it's not, it's not big enough. It just can't happen. But we know that it can because God said that he can forgive, he can forgive all of our sin. Um, it's, it's our, it's our nature to do those things and to say those kind of things. It's just natural for us. Um, Proverbs 17, 28 says, uh, keeping silent so that no corrupt communication slips out. Um, let me say, let me say, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. I heard it said like this before. It's better to stay, to be silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? It's not really what this says. It says that even if you're a fool, you could be considered wise by just, just button it up just a little bit. You know, and, and it is, I think it's a step in the right direction to, uh, to just keep our mouth shut, to just, just pause and just wait before we say something that might get us in trouble or it might not be right. I think it's a step in the right direction, but that doesn't mean that we've, that we've stepped over, you know, we've made it because now I've learned how to just not say anything. Because you're probably still thinking it. Um, and by the way, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it, right? It, it, it just, just coming out, it just came out. I didn't, you know, just, I'm, who am I? Stop it. I can, can't tame it. The Bible says it. So I'm just going to let it fly. No, that's not what the scripture says. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But, but here it, it tells us that, you know, even, even a fool keeps silent could be considered wise. Um, our, our nature, we can, we can start seeing that we're changing. When we're finding ourselves using our words in a way that lifts people up, that's positive, not always cutting, not always dark, not always um, condemning. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Just do away with all of it. You gotta, you gotta do away with it. Because it's corrupting you. It's, a, it's, it's the thing that's in you. It's this abundance of your heart. Jesus said it's, it's, it's what comes out of a man that, that corrupts him. And so these things we've got to put away. Be kind to one another. I heard somebody say, well, what fun is that? <laughs> thing came from over here somewhere. I'm just kidding. But be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's important that we give our tongue the kind of care that we look at other parts of our lives on. It's not easy. King David in Psalms 39 he started getting this down. Now, hold on. He says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. It's a good start, right? Got to determine in my mind. I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. In other words, I'm going to just, if I have to, I'm going to restrain it. <laughs> so long as the wicked are in my presence. I am, I am going to guard my tongue. I'm going to muzzle my mouth. Good. But he goes on to say, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused. The fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. You've been there, right? You have, you've been upset. You've been angry or somebody said something and you said, you know what? I'm just going to bite my tongue this time. I'm going to say a word. I'm not, no, they can just do what they want to do. They can say what they want to say. I know what's in my heart. I know what's in my life. I'm not saying a word. And then it just festers and it starts burning and you're like, yeah, I can't. I, I gotta say something. I can't let them get away with that. And then before you know it, you're just giving it to them just the way you said you weren't going to give it to them. It's hard. And David, David fell into that. He did the right thing. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just hold my tongue, muzzle my mouth, I'm not saying a word. And ultimately he couldn't do it because it's a, it's a God thing. We have to ask God to help us with these things. James gave us some analogies. Um, he goes on in, in the next verse, James, I think it's uh, verse 3 through 5. Yeah, he says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well, right? So you put the bit in the, into the horse's mouth and you've got the harness and you can you pull on that and it, their whole head, their whole body goes the direction that now you're telling them to go, to go because of the bit that's in their mouth. Also, look at ships. They're large and they're driven by strong winds. Um, they're guided by a very small rudder. You see the huge ship, and in, in comparison, this rudder is so small, and it and it goes wherever the captain, the pilot directs it to go. It'll it'll go right there with a small rudder. And likewise, our tongue. 
So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It's just a small piece of our body, and yet it controls so much of our life. It's what he's saying. It is set on fire. So we ask ourselves, does our tongue control us, or do we control our tongue? Do we allow our tongue just to, to, to run, or do we control it? It's like a fire. How great a forest. Um, tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among its members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Man, that's strong, isn't it? I heard this said one time is the reason so we learn how strong the tongue is and how bad of a criminal it is and it's set on fire that God placed it in a moist place somebody said well it's also easy to slip because it's in a, it's in a wet place but it's such fire is set in a moist place and it's, and it's behind the bars of your teeth and in the prison walls of your lips. And then in Psalms 141.3, I don't have this one, Andy, I don't have this one on there, but it says, um, so with the idea of, of your tongue being a prisoner in this place behind the, the bars and behind the fleshly um, lips, the, the walls of this prison, it says, set a guard over my mouth. I also need, I need someone to hold it captive. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. That's how important this is. So it's easy to say, oh yes, yeah, it's, it's just the tongue, it's just a few words. But there's, there's, there's seriously power in the tongue. It's like, it's like lighting matches and dropping them in dry leaves and just walking away. And watching the fire, oh, the great fire that can start with just one little match. Wildfires burn because of one little spark that happens. Have you ever known someone that can just light up a conversation? I mean, they can say just a few words and mm, we're off to the races, right? You've never met anyone like that? Well, I'll, I'll say the internet's full of them, right? We call them trolls. They're, they're basically arsonists. They like to light a fire and then walk away and just watch it burn. If, if you're ever on Facebook, you'll see people, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion and they don't mind sharing it. And often they'll take the opposing view just to see the, the, the fuss that they can muster up. And just like that, we have to be careful that we're not doing the same thing. I had a cousin. I was probably 17, 18 years old, somewhere in there. He was 12, 13. I think maybe he's four or five years younger than me. I'm trying to remember. I think it's, I think it's about right. Anyways, I'm at home one day. Um, I just maybe I was playing Nintendo or something. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm at the house, and all of a sudden he burst in, and uh, he, he called me Bubba. Bubba, I need you. I need you. Come outside. Come outside. Somebody's chasing me. I'm like, okay. Why is somebody chasing you? Come out here. Hurry. I'm like, hold on. What's going on? 
Well, there's this guy down the road, and I got into an argument with him, and he wants to beat me up, but I told him he could fight you because you're older. <laughs> Slow down. I'm like, let's, let's see if we can get this thing under control because I'm not about getting beat up. So I go outside, and this guy comes walking down the road, and he is like, he's like 30 years old and just... He'd been going to the gym since he was two, you know. I mean, this guy, and he's rip-roaring mad. He was coming to get a piece of somebody. He didn't care who it was. My cousin said that he could have me, so he was coming to get me. He was that angry. Oh, and it was just because of his mouth. He, My cousin always had a mouth. I wanted to rip his ears off half the time because he just he just knew how to. Well, Proverbs 18, verse 6 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, ready for this, and his mouth invites a beating. That's Bible. I wish I'd have had that then. Hey, you invited it. That's what the Bible said. <laughs> right? Yeah, he just he just talks and talks and talks, and he, he deserves it. It'll do your words will do that. It has power to mess with people. And what's even worse is when you say something that doesn't bother the person, right? That just gets you angry, right? When you're like, eh, yeah, and then they don't respond with the same kind of deal. Um, that, 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 that'll tear you up. Your lips and your, your tongue has a lot of, a lot of power behind it. And James, we're going to move on to James 3, verse 7 through 10. It says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptiles and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Can I hear an amen? We can't tame our tongue. The Bible says no man can tame. So if no man can tame the tongue, what's our answer? It has to come through a rebirth and, and asking God to help us control this. I'm guilty of this very thing. We come to church we praise God, we sing, we worship, and then service is over, and we go get in our car. We go get in our car, and you realize that nobody can drive as good as you can, right? There's not another person on the road that can drive as good as you. You, you have figured it out. You've got it down. I mean, either everybody's slower than you, and they need to get out of the way, or everybody's faster than you, and you're wondering where the fire is. What are you in a hurry for? Right? Why can't they all just go the same speed I'm going? We'd all get there. There'd be no problem. There'd be less accidents on the road. They could just drive like me. They, they don't know how to use a turn signal. They don't know how to let me in when they should be letting me in, obviously. Try to cut me off. You know, turn signals in Florida is rough because you're just 
you're just, you know, giving the guy behind you uh, and a clue as to what you're about to do. So when you turn your turn signal and they speed up, don't they? I'm not going to let you in. And what do you do? Oh, man. Man, look at that. That guy's an idiot, right? That guy's a dummy. He don't know how to drive. Look at that. We did it on the way to church this morning. Look at this guy. <laughs> man, ain't nobody know how to drive. And you know, we use our, we, we think that our windshield and our steering wheel is like a filter for those things. Because as long as they didn't hear it, I can say whatever I want to say, right? As long as they didn't hear it. It's like, it's like people on the internet. Um, it's behind the, the monitor and the keyboard, so I just say whatever I want to say. It doesn't really matter. They might not even read it anyway, so I could just, I've got a free pass. That's not really my tongue anyways. I was just using my fingers, right? So, um, you know, but that's what we do. <laughs> on and on and on. We just, we just give people the what for. We just think they should be just like us. We all need to be teachers. Remember James 3.1? We shouldn't all be teaching. Don't drive like me. Right? So safely behind these things, we feel like we can say whatever we want. And often, it may be things you would probably never say to someone face to face. Not just because they are bigger than you, but maybe just because you realize it's a respect thing. Would I say that to someone face to face? Oh, yeah, you would. Roll your window down. Tell him he's an idiot next time. See what happens. It's called road rage. <laughs> Someone's going to jail. Someone lost their witness. <laughs> I, I love it too when they got the little fish emblem on the back and then they're, you know, it's great. That's our tongue. Those are our actions. Those are things that are representing our Lord. And, you know, that we, we tend to do these things. Um, it's like a tree that falls in the woods. If no one was around to hear it, did it even make a sound? You ever heard that question? Isn't that a dumb question? <laughs> of course it made a sound. Of course it did. Just because you weren't there to hear it doesn't mean that the laws of physics and everything else in nature just goes away because nobody was there to actually hear it. Yeah, it made a sound. And guess what? It also affected all the little trees and other things that are laying underneath it when it fell too. And I'll remind us of this. Just because those people didn't hear it doesn't mean the little ears that are in a car in the back seat didn't hear what we just said. Ouch, right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we didn't, uh, they, although they might not have heard it, we might be affecting the little ones around us. We might be affecting others around us that are looking for Christ. They're looking to us to be an example, and yet we're that big tree, and uh, they didn't hear us anyways. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Our words matter. Our words matter. At the end of this section, we're given some questions to consider. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? What's the answer to those questions? No. No, we all, we all know that. So he says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So we know that's the question. So why did he ask them? Well, I think he's just trying to make the point that there's a natural order of things. 
A tree can only produce the kind of fruit that it is. It's an apple tree, you're going to get an apple. Orange tree, get oranges. You can't plant a lemon tree and get a grapefruit. Can't do it. Do you remember that statue of the three little monkeys? Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. See, careful mouth, what you say. Can you believe that that little thing right there is such a such spiritual advice that our road to spiritual maturity could be as simple as this in front of us all of our lives. And yet, it's such a simple thing and hard to, hard to follow through on. A salt water pond cannot give you fresh water. Somebody said, oh, but you know they have machines now, right? There's cruise ships. They get out there and they take that water in and they convert it. Salt water and they give you drinking water. Boom. Yeah, that's right. You know why? You want to know how? It had to go through a purification process. You hear me? It didn't just happen. It had to go through a purification process. And if so if we're a little salty in our speech... That just tells us that we need to go through a purification process. You want fresh water where salt water once poured forth? Go through the purification process. Let go and let God. Right? Oh, well, what about the tree? Gotcha. No, you didn't. Because the Bible says that we're to be grafted into the vine, into His vine. If I'm given the wrong kind of fruit, I just need to be grafted into His vine. The Scripture talks about being grafted in His vine so we can bring forth the type of fruits that He wants us to. The, the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the fruits. Those are the trees um, that we're talking about. It comes through spiritual matru- maturity. Growth and maturity. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You start with the little decisions. Oh, I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to try to change my speech. I'm not going to be so quick to judge. I'm not going to be so quick to share all of my thoughts and all my opinions because nobody needs to know or wants to hear all everybody's, everybody's thoughts and everybody's opinions, right? How you doing today? Ten minutes later. <laughs> and what happens, people start sidestepping that because they're like, I really don't want to hear I don't know how much of it's good for me or not good for me. I asked at the very beginning of our time, I said, do you talk the walk and do you walk the talk? That's a good way to start filtering, looking at yourself, do I talk the walk, do I walk the talk? But I think you can focus too much on that. I think I think you could get to the point where that becomes your motivation so that others see that you talk what you walk and that you walk what you talk. And then the focus becomes on me, not on him. So look at look, I can talk the walk and I can walk the talk. Look at how good I am. Now I can teach it. And so the, 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 the focus shifts here instead of shifting there. That's not the goal. 
We, we should, we should start back in Ephesians 4.29. I, and I shared this already. This is the one that says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. For ditch the corruption and start the edification. Stop tearing people down and start lifting people up. Stop, stop being the, the, um, you know, the, the person who comes in and destroys and be the person who builds. That it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you're sealed the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. May our words be filled with grace. Our motivation be to lift God and lift others up. And may our words be remembered as kind and forgiving. And that's the person that I would want to be, that somebody would think of me as, as someone who, who always had something good to say, something nice to say, not, not spreading more hurt or anger or talk and rumors and gossip and slander and anger and all that stuff. Don't. Proverbs gives us a lot, a lot, a lot of, of, of words um, about this. Um, and I, I don't think I gave all these to you, to Annie. I'm just going to read some of these real quick. Um, Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. If you find yourself getting in trouble a lot and getting yourself in, in stuff, getting in the mix, well, maybe you start guarding your mouth and your tongue. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. How about this one? A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Right? I like that one. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and the man of understanding is even tempered. Even a fool is thought wise to keep silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise are healing. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. I want to remind you to never forget the great power you hold within your tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Did you know that there are the power of life and death right there? With it, you can speak life, and with it, you can speak destruction. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Those who love it will eat its fruits. So just as sure as you can speak cursing, you can speak hate, you can speak spite, speak words that divide and tear people down, you can also speak God into a situation. You can speak life, not death. Speak faith, not doubt. Speak grace, not guilt. Speak love, not hate. Speak blessings, not cursings. Speak kindness, not slander. Speak forgiveness, not condemnation. I'm going to leave us with one last piece of advice. It's not for me. Not at all. It was a wise thing that I heard years ago. You probably heard this too. Remember to always serve your words with honey because tomorrow you may have to eat them.
Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for, um, for your word and how it does correct us. It leads us to a path that uh, would be pleasing to you. God, our, our words matter. And they matter in so many ways. They, they, they can cut. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. It's not a true statement, is it? God, I pray that we would long and strive to have um, words that lift up and, and that um, people would, would be encouraged by and that they would point to our relationship with you. God, if my tongue is uh, as a gauge of the dominant nature inside me, the story of the little boy who says, was asked um, does Jesus live in your heart and the little boy said I don't think so and he's asked well why he said well if he was in there wouldn't he stick out God I just pray that that you would stick out that it would be evident in our walk in our works in our talk that our talk may not betray all the good we may try to do God we love you we thank you for loving us go with us this week your grace and your mercy we pray